How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode 168 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube. And if you're listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for listening to How About That Cigar Live when you drive down the road or work out, whatever it is you do when you listen to your favorite audio podcast. Thanks so much for making us a part of that. And again, here in the beautiful Drew Estate Cigar Studios, let's talk about the all-new Pappy Van Winkle Corona Viva. The five and three quarter by 46 Vitola is launching as an exclusive cigar available only at Pappy and Company's website, pappyco.com. A collaboration between Drew Estate and the Van Winkle family, Pappy Van Winkle barrel fermented cigars pay homage to the legacy of excellence established by Julian Pappy Van Winkle in the bourbon world more than a century ago. The narrow ring gauge of the Corona Viva accentuates the barrel fermented tobacco presence in the Pappy Van Winkle blend which offers an ultra-premium cigar uh, smoking experience with notes of chocolate, coffee, cedar, charred wood with an overall smoky sweetness. Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Corona Cigars are presented in 10-count boxes and available exclusively at pappyco.com. So, back in the Drew Estate Cigar Studios, Garrett is back at the cabin again. How are you, sir? I am doing well. I miss the studio. Yeah, it's been seven years. Seven, yeah, you're going on eight. Since you've yeah, been at the yeah. studio? It's, it's been a second. I don't know, it's been a while. I've been a busy man. <laughs> world world traveler. But hopefully not a weary yeah. traveler. No, <clears throat> very good travels. I uh, just got back from New York and came back up to the cabin. Great trip in New York. Um, got to see you know, a lot of cool industry people. And yeah, it was fantastic. Nice. Um, yeah, it's so I don't know if you guys caught either the game itself or the highlights of the twins game from yesterday. So I was actually over at uh Ramsey smoke shop uh, here in Minnesota, um, sitting with Omar and some other guys watching the twins game, smoking cigars, talking uh, twins, Twins were, you know, kind of sluggish. And finally, in the ninth inning, the Twins tied it up two to two. It goes to extra innings, but I had to go. So I left and uh, was listening to other stuff on the radio. So I didn't cut over to the game to listen to the end of it. And I get home and I watch the highlights and the Twins got absolutely robbed by the umpire. So yep. uh, 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 the player who tagged up at third and ran into home. I don't know, remember even who it was, but the throw comes in and the catcher makes the tag clean. Obviously the runner's out and they called him out, but then they reviewed it and they overturned it and called it safe. And there, I, I don't, I don't understand it. It was the worst call. It was the worst overturn I've ever seen. He got the call right the first time. They said yep. it was catcher interference because the catcher was impeding the runner from the base path. Hmm. But that was the only spot the catcher could be to catch the ball. There so <laughs> that it's just it was a it was the wrong call on paper. It was the wrong call in the moment. And they just really screwed the twins out of a win. Yep. So I don't know. It was 
you know, it's frustrating. I mean, the, the, the twins have improved. They made some huge moves, you know, before the trade deadline, you know, we got, uh, uh, we got Maley, we got, uh, Oh, of course my brain's going to fart right now. And I didn't have it in my notes, but we got, we got a couple, we got a closer, we got a middle reliever and we got a, and we got a starter. So, uh, you know, as far as pitching goes, and that's what we really needed was pitching. Now our new starter lost his first start as a twin, but, uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, things are, they, they are improving, but they have a lot of work to do if they're going to have any shot at actually winning a playoff game for the first time in 18 years. So hopefully they can turn it around. Um, some some uh, another in memoriam we have is I don't know if any everybody saw the news floating around the internet today and I'm not saying this is the only one out there but one that really stood out to me today was uh, the news that uh, Olivia Newton John passed away today yeah. uh, and I mean for those of us in you know kind of the the 50 year old age bracket 40 year old age even you know 30 year old age bracket you know Olivia Newton John you know, she was, that's, that's, that's Sandy from Greece, you know, that's the, uh, the let, let's get physical, you know, that song has been rolling around my head all day. Cause I keep seeing all the, uh, you know, all the stuff about her in, in, in the newsfeed on Facebook about her passing away. Um, really talented, you know, and had a really long career. So, um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, as you know, a young person, you know, seeing her in those, in those uh, tight black pants at the end of Greece was, uh, was an experience for a young, for a young man of a certain age. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. Grease lightning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I almost, I, I'm glad I didn't because it would have really been kind of crass, but I almost said when I posted it on social media, I almost posted rest in Greece. that might be a little that might be a little you know too much so i i uh i stayed away from that um i got going back to the uh, baseball discussion i want to remind everybody about cigars and baseball here in st paul minnesota at chs field on september 8th Uh, i believe there are still uh spots available if you guys want to register so go to the website uh, find them on social media uh, you can get all the information about um, uh, what it's uh, what it's going to cost you to go to that event, but I promise you it's worth it for so many reasons. There's tons and tons of great cigars that you're going to get your hands on, uh, lo- food from local restaurants, um, beers from local breweries, spirits from local distilleries, and, and how about that cigar is going to be there. So, I mean, why? Uh, what could possibly go wrong? And live baseball. And live baseball, and, yeah. And it's for the kids. And it's for the kids. You know, uh, Miracle League builds baseball facilities for kids with disabilities who, you know, wouldn't otherwise have a chance to play. So um, let's let's break some records this year, people. Yes. Let's get cigars and baseball over the top and just get get them more, you know, registrants than they've ever had. Let's let's just, you know, tear it up and break some records this year. So uh, be sure to check, uh, check out Cigars and Baseball. So... Garrett, I think uh, we we had a great pre-show discussion with our guest, and uh, if if the if what is about to happen on the show is even remotely close to what we 
had rockin in the pregame discussion i think tonight's show is going to be legendary okay, hold on for a <laughs> so let's bring on our special guest of the evening as always on how about that cigar cigar live special guests are brought to us by our friends at corona cigar company Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com and FloridaSungrown.com. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would please put your hands together and welcome to episode 168 of How About That Cigar Live for a return visit from Stolen Throne Cigars, Lee Marsh. How, how are you, you beautiful, beautiful human being? I'm good, not great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good night, good night, everybody. Thank That's you. Everything. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I almost no show Jones this show because Matt, for the second time, he fucking didn't hang out with me in Minnesota. <laughs> uh, but that's okay, you yeah. know. I, I felt some kind of way about it. You had family obligations, so, uh, whatever. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know. It's... I'm I've been disappointing my family since the start of this thing. I don't understand why you you know you can do the same, but that's fine. <laughs> Well, I've been I've been, you know, really working lately on my on 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 my honesty. So it's really just that that's I a lie. That's really a fucking lie. That that's I didn't lie. want to see you, Lee. It's you know. All right. <laughs> I could take that. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. I could take that. No, it's, it's 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 two years, two years in a row that you've come to Ramsey Smoke Shop to hang out with Omar and everybody over there. Great shop, fun people. And uh yeah. Same. You wouldn't same know. Thing. You weren't there. You wouldn't know. No. Well, no. I've been because I, I actually have been to many events at at, at Ramsey Smoke Shop. Just not. I don't yours. believe that. I don't believe that to be true. <laughs> I have two full occurrences where that didn't happen. So <laughs> that is true. You don't. You don't have. There is. There are photographs and things like that out there from me attending. Uh, I mean, I, I. I can Matt, I know. You. I, I know what Photoshop is. Okay. <laughs> I only look stupid. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, let's, just, I, let's just get past this. Let's just, move on. <laughs> let's just move on. We don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to get stuck in the weeds about, right. you know, who, who skipped whose event or any of that. Don't, just we, don't let me hear you calling. <laughs> we're, we're not friends, man. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Oh, all right. Well, let's get Matt all lit up so that he can enjoy oh, yeah, cigars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, about that. Yeah. These oh, guys okay. are smoking cigars and I'm, I finished a pregame cigar, but uh, the so um, what are you smoking right now, Justin? I am smoking the call to arms right now. Uh, I'm I'm going to fire up the cigar that was on our top ten list last year. One of my uh, go tos, the Crook of the Crown, from some somebody named 
uh, Lee, I, I don't know. Um, but I'm going to fire this up right now with the uh, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Toast Cam. When lighting your cigar, it's important to be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Silver Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton has a blend of fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. Wow. Did you did you hear that read? Wow. That I am tra- I'm transported to another place. <laughs> like like you hear that firely? Wow. That was I, nice. That was I'm, nice. Yeah. I'm in all. I'm in taking aback. All right. Taking so, aback. I like that. Lee, I went back and I watched our first interview with you. It was oh, two COVID years ago. Days. Yeah, yeah, dude, it was right in two, two years ago. Yep, in the midst of uh, the OG COVID outbreak and all of that. And I want to apologize because one of all the right. things that we like to do on this show is we like to tell the story of the people behind the brand. And one of the errors that we made was we allowed you to just give a whole lot of generalities that um, you let me off the hook. Is that what you're saying? I, I, yeah, we did. We really, we, we let you off the hook. We did. We did. So I did some homework. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) I did some homework. Okay. And, um, get weird. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to dive in a little bit and, First, I want to, we want to dive into uh, Young Lee, okay? So we, you, you know, I know that, that? Uh, you I grew up. Real, I feel really uncomfortable with the phrasing. Could you just go back and redo the wording of that? <laughs> no, no, I felt right. Let's go. <laughs> no, I mean, remember, we're, we're going deep inside Lee. But you said it sounds. But you said but you said you said we're gonna go deep inside Young Lee, and that just feels wrong. So let's. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) so wrong. So right. I should have. I really got to find a hobby for Monday nights. I really got to figure out. So Lee, all right. uh, Growing up. Uh, you were mostly raised by your grandparents, correct? That's correct, yeah. And you had a very close relationship with your grandfather. I did. Are you you trying to make me cry here, you little... He was a very special person to you. And I want to ask, what is a memory that you have of you and your grandfather that that stands out? Uh, Wow, that's uh, uncool. Uncool, but uh, <laughs> no, nah, he was very important to me. Um, you know, obviously, I'm named after him, and uh, he was a very influential person in my life. Um, I think you know, for me, uh, I remember like one of my fondest memories is also one of my last. I remember when we were getting ready to move here to Virginia, and I was super apprehensive about it because you know. I lived all over the world. I've been gone for a very long time. 
Um, and I knew that every day you're getting closer to the inevitable and not having those folks around anymore, especially when they're older. And uh, he was always like a, just a really straightforward dude, like very quiet. But when he had something to say, he said it. And uh, I remember he found out that I was like him and hauling about coming down here. And he grabbed me by my shirt. And he said, let me tell you something. He goes, I raised you to live your life. And you're good, but you're not good. I'm that good. I'm going to die whether you're here or not. So uh, go on and make me proud and do something with your life. Yeah, you're not good. These sons of bitches. Why would you do that to me? Uh, so, yeah, it's been hard. You know, he died uh, a couple months before we got married. So he never got to meet my kids. And uh so it's it's hard, but he was super super important. Everyone loved him, you know. He was always that guy that did the right thing. You know, he used to always say the funny thing about characters when you you can't pick and choose when you have it. So, uh, yeah, that was probably one of the most. I mean, stolen throne wouldn't happen. I wouldn't have ran off and started the company and all that kind of stuff without him. So, yeah, man, you guys are dicks. <laughs> oh, he's not done either. He's got more. I, God, come on. I got to get the hard stuff out. All right, let's go. Um, so one one story I'm interested in particular is uh, the story of the model car. The model car. What story is that? You're going to have to remind me. Model car. So you and your cousin had ruined uh, a model collectible car. Oh. Damn it. Where did you get this stuff? <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right. My grandfather, you know, at that time in Baltimore, when they grew up, you know, they were poor. And... Man, how did you find this story? <laughs> I was, a, I've always been a dick, right? Like I've always been the asshole of the black sheep of the family. You know, my grandmother always says, if you give Lee right and left, he's going to go straight um so my grandfather as he got older started i don't know if you guys are familiar with the franklin mint but they used to always make these high-end model cars yeah and my grandfather had like 130 of them like he loved them and they were always cars from his like he remembered from his childhood or his uncle had one or his dad had one you know and so he had a ton of them and you know they were they weren't inexpensive i think they were like 200 bucks a piece or something for all these cars so uh, me and my cousin are dicking around one time and I just flew into the wall and smashed all of them. And when I say all of them, all of them, they were all destroyed. And then of course my grandmother being old school, like he was at my uncle's cutting his grass. She was like, well, you got to go tell him. I said, come on, man. Can't you just hit me? <laughs> like, <laughs> I got to go over there and tell this man. I just destroyed like his prized possessions. So yeah, I was like 12 at the time and I had to walk my ass over there and tell the man that I broke all his cars. I don't think he talked to me for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> man, where did you get this? He's, he's, been, he's been working on some sources. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been sleuthing. Who's so I'll I'll, re I'll 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 reveal my uh, my sources um after, after off the work. air, yeah. All right. All right. I, I got some ass whoopings to kick and give out, man. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't even ask, and you may have shown it on camera already, Lee, but what are you smoking right now? I'm smoking a call to arms Corona. Okay, yeah. 
you got a you got anything you're drinking right now as well or just uh no i just got some a little uh little mountain diet mountain doing the cup you know the 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 river of the gods nothing wrong with that nah but now i see where this is going i'm gonna have to get into the liquor here i think (laughs) (laughs) you know as as we tell stories i think it's really cool and important to show the relationships that that people have with those who raise them and seeing that your grandfather was, was, you know, so important. That's a great story to tell that you came from, you know, a a place you had a relationship that obviously you drew in a lot of his character and it shows through in what you're doing with your brand. And we love that. I'm definitely, I'm definitely not, uh, I'm not half the man he was. That's for sure. Um, and you know, something about him that I always admired, right? Like he was, you, you just do the right thing. You don't talk about it. You know, it was funny because, you know, my grandfather was like the quintessential quiet type. He didn't talk about anything, but my grandfather, and my grandmother actually ran a recreational football, you know, league out of their home. And he had coached for 40 some years football. He coached me and he coached many others. And I remember when he died. Um, there was over 500 people that showed up at his funeral, and most of them were kids that didn't have any parents, you know, that played for him, and he always treated them like they're kids, and that meant a lot to my grandmother, and obviously made it a little bit easier, you know, having all these people remember the impact that he had, not on my life, but on their life, you know, and um, that was pretty special, because, you know, sometimes we don't really see the legacy until it's too late, you know? Yep. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good reminder too. All right, now moving ahead. Now we're gonna we're gonna start getting into cigars. Um, right. So you've got your your seven year wedding anniversary coming up at the end of September uh, for yeah, your honeymoon. What we talked about you stalking me. Now this is getting alarming. <laughs> you had your honeymoon in Punta Cana. Fuck. You guys went. <laughs> Okay. You you went on a, a a factory tour. We did. Is that where the wheels started turning for you? No, I mean we had I had been on tours before that, and you know we had been traveling for a while. That's kind of when it started to get more intense. You know, we went to the, a very small place in Punta Cana, the Don Lucas factory. Very very cool place to go. Really fun uh, place. Absolutely. It's super fun. It's everything you need at a 10,000 foot view, you know, and, you know, they have everything going on there, not just the tobacco factory, the cigar factory, but they also have the chocolate factory there. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the turning point of where it was always a building block. Something always came after the other, just kept pushing me and pushing me further into doing it. You know, I, I always tell people that you know when it comes to cigars and the business and what it's become it was solely out of passion and realistically it was one of those things where you know waking up every day and going to a job that you don't necessarily like but you just you're good at it and you got to pay the bills that's super unfulfilling you know and then when you get that itch to chase something that you're passionate about and you find out what that is and kind of realize that it's been growing over time constantly that's really when it starts to get a be a bigger and bigger, bigger push. Um, so that wasn't the first time, but it was definitely, 
a meaningful time in terms of pushing that that passion forward. Um, because, you know, we've been on uh, countless farms and factories, but that was definitely one of them that was memorable because obviously my wife was with me at the time. Um, and it was just a cool experience. Well, and then your for your anniversary the the following year, you return back to Punta Cana. Jr. is there, you and your wife, yep. Jr. and his wife, and you go and you do this the same tour. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, we no, actually, we did. We I think we did go there, but we actually went a little further and we knew more people then. So we had already started building the network. So we actually went up to La Romana um, and saw it went to the old Matilde factory and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it started to grow and uh, you know, we started to expand in terms of visiting more and more people and seeing more stuff. Awesome. Um, now I want to talk about a, uh, a special game of roulette at at the casino <laughs> walk us josh, through that can you josh can you uh is this the one in vegas i gotta yes. be more specific i gamble a lot um <laughs> like coming on this podcast um <laughs> so it is the roll of the dice i was at a conference i was speaking at the conference and uh when the conference was over, you know, I try to escape. I grab a couple of cigars and roll down to the casino. And I sit down and uh, there's a guy sitting next to me and I see, I know who it is, but obviously I don't want to say anything. I'm not trying to, we're both just trying to escape whatever and just enjoy ourselves. But it turns out it's Jonathan Hillstrand from The Deadliest Sketch. So, oh, uh, dope. Yeah, so we uh, drank and smoked and gambled for about 18 hours straight. Wow. Uh, yeah, so the thing about Vegas, uh, you guys have heard this story because you saw me dealing with it at the show this year. Uh, Vegas brings out the inner Ric Flair in me. Uh, so, <laughs> Woo! yeah, we yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, Mr. Hillstrand and I went on a massive heater <laughs> at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, and it was seemingly endless. And then I think a couple of my friends found me, passed out at a high top table, and oh. then, uh, took me took me back to my room. <laughs> oh. Oh. Make this worth it because someone's getting fired over these stories. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're getting into fun stuff. Okay, so. When you started smoking cigars, you quickly fell in love with Habano. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, why was it that you didn't release a Habano until your third offering? Uh, because, like me, Habano is an asshole. <laughs> um, it's just—it's really, really hard to work with, and you know, a lot of the guys in my circle know that I'm a Habano guy. So, for us to do a Habano offering. It had to be what I would consider as perfect as possible. And I know no perfect cigar exists, but it had to be pretty damn close. And the thing with Habano is it wants to be Habano. So finding a way to blend that out into a complex but balanced offering, super, super difficult. Um, and if you talk to, like Garrett, I know you talked to Josh. Uh, we went through no less than about 35 iterations of that cigar. 
Um, it took me three and a half years to put the three kingdoms together. Um, and it just, it just, for whatever reason, I, it just wasn't right. And then it, it finally all clicked and that's why it took so long. You know, we, we get that often that we don't pump out a lot of cigars and that's because we don't rush anything. We don't cut corners. It takes time. I mean, you know, we smoke a blend and work on a blend for at least a year, year and a half before it's ever released. I mean, the call to arms was ready and done when we released the crook and we didn't release it for another year or so, year and a half. Um, so it, it's just part of the creative process for us. And uh, I'm a dick. So it just takes time, you know, it just takes time to, to get where we want it to go. Um, and that's what I always tell people. I mean, you you heard me at the show, like, you know, I'm a big Habano guy, but we didn't have a Habano until three years in. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, man. Well, I have a follow up to that. So what are some of the because you were already uh, that was like your jam that that you're a huge fan of the Habano leaf especially as a rapper i assume so sure. what are the qualities that you that you were digging so much over the years about that rapper leaf and what was of those qualities that you love so much where were those 35 in those 35 iterations what piece of it kept missing before it finally hit on all the cylinders well, you know, like when you smoke a, a, a nice Habano, it's super, super rich, right? It hits you right away. You know, you're smoking Habano. Like it's deep, it's spicy, it's aggressive. Like you want all those things, but sometimes, you know, oftentimes it overpowers everything. Like, and now you get a lot of cigars on the market that just hide behind a wrapper. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be able to know if the blend changed because you're only tasting the wrapper. Um, and that's what I didn't like. You know, we have some really, really rich fillers that just kept getting overpowered. And, like, the Habano, like, just would take over. And so you never got a nuance. You never got depth, you know. And, or it was there, but it wasn't, like, as much as I wanted to be or it wasn't intense as I wanted to be. The transitions weren't as clean. Those kind of things. And it just, it takes time and it takes kind of one of those things where, it's trial and error. Like there's no real way. Like, yeah, I understand our catalog now in terms of what we have available, what we produce ourselves and what we source from other people about, you know, where we are and what we can offer in terms of profile. But really the work is the work. I always say that like, you, you got to play with it. You got to roll it. You got to see how it goes. You got to see how it marries. And that's why we give it so long because it could be great today and dog shit tomorrow, you know? So, um, really the abrasiveness and the aggressiveness of the Habano is what kept just overshadowing everything else we were trying to achieve. And until we got the right, you know, combination, that's, that's just what takes time. Yeah. That makes and you know when you know, me. and you just know when you know, like you can't, yeah. I always joke and say, it's like the definition of porn. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it, <laughs> you know, but it's like, it's like, like the crook was instantaneous. Like I always say that, like, People think it was some great, you know, opus. It really wasn't. Like, we sampled tobacco for 24 hours straight. Because at this time, Noel and I are just starting to work together. We're starting to blend. We're starting – even me, like, I don't have a process at this point. Like, I'm just starting to put things together. And, you know, but 
instantaneously I was like, okay, this, this, and this, and then it was done. Boom. Just like that. And we smoked it for a while, almost a year. Um, and, and then it was good to go. And then, you know, so I was like, man, this is easy. I don't see what the big deal is. And then Albano <laughs> was like, no, 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 no. So it was, it was a good humbling experience. It was a good learning experience for sure. Um, but the, I always say like the cigars tell us when they're ready. We don't tell them. Yeah. Sorry. Brody is, uh, chiming in. Hey, lay down, <laughs> lay down. Yeah. Well, and consistency is, um, something that we hear from a lot of cigar makers that is one of the trickiest things. And, oh yeah. I and for, for you, I know, I mean, I'll say that of the, of all the crook of the crowns I've smoked and it's been, it's been a few hundred. I've bought a lot of those cigars and smoked a lot of them and the call to arms, uh, fewer, and the 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 three kingdoms is as I literally smoked it for the first time yesterday. So but the consistency and so what I can really speak to consistency wise is the crook of the crown because it's the one I've smoked a lot of. And I'll say from the regardless whether it's the Toro or the Robusto, I'm smoking the Toro again right now. It's it, what what so many cigar smokers appreciate is every time they get that cigar off the shelf it's going to taste and smell the same as it did two years ago. And it, and, and the crook really does. That's kind of the biggest, I mean, so that was, you want to talk about the journey and the education pro, pro, process. Like that was one of the things that I had no concept of how much that was going to take of my time. Um, but I can tell you like the consistency comment that we get all the time is one of the greatest compliments we can get. You know, because uh, when someone tells me, you know, every time I pick up a stolen throne cigar, I know what it's going to taste like. I know what it's going to be every single time. And that's something that we're super proud of because I spend a shit ton of time checking tobacco, sorting tobacco constantly. You know, I I used to go to Nicaragua and just like run wild, do whatever I want to do, play with new stuff, do this, do that, you know, because we're all, I'm always blending. I'm always working. We always got things in the hopper. We're always doing something. But now it's like 85% of that time is checking on the blends, checking on reblending, making sure things are staying where they should be checking on tobacco, checking where we're at with the stuff that we're sorting and we're bringing in out of the barns that we're sourcing from other people. Like it's a shit ton of work. And so when people say that, that's, that's the fruit of our labors, right? Like, you know, we've always said we wanted to do it the right way. We don't cut corners. Um, and I, you can, I'm sure if you got any of those dudes liquored up enough, you know, they'll tell you that I'm hard to work with for that reason. The process is the process. Every time it's going to be the same, every time we're going to do the same shit and we're going to keep doing it over and over and over again, because realistically, you know, you, you put all this hope and time into building a brand and getting that brand standard and, and brand reputation. The first time I don't do the same stuff, I've lied to you. I've ripped you off and I can't, I can't live with that. So, you know, when we get all these people that come to Omar's and they come to other events and they, they have a cigar that's blended by us and, and created by us, but we owe them something. You yeah. know, I always say it, like I take it super personally. Cigars are an elastic product. You can smoke a shit ton of some different cigars, but when you choose to spend your money on our stuff, I take it really personally and you deserve our best effort. 
And I think, you know, that's what really stands out about us and how we operate. I'm really proud of the guys and how much, how hard they work, but we really, we've never changed the process and we don't plan to change the process. Even with the new factory, even with the new tobacco company, nothing changed. It's still the same process. People have events at Omar shop. (laughs) Matt wouldn't know. No. (laughs) Who the fuck is Matt Ty? So here's here's what I wanted to to bring to this show. Um, after you know, there's a lot of cool people in this industry. Um, I knew that Lee was a was a cool guy. This last show that I got to spend some time with Lee and really talking with him. Um, I don't want to say it surprised me, but it encouraged me how much you really dove into knowledge of tobacco process. Uh, the people and um, your character. And I wanted to showcase that better than we did our first show. Um, I appreciate that. I don't think I'm that cool, but I appreciate that. No, because literally there can, there's a lot of cool people in this industry that do a quarter of what you have done to try and build this brand. And it's important to get that story out and let people know how hard you work and what you put into this to make damn good cigars and you're a fucking cool person i appreciate that man and for real it's just about being transparent in who we are right like you know you and i have talked have many long conversations about this industry you know and you're right there are a lot of cool people in here there's also a lot of you know charlatans you know and that's fine like that's their bag that's fine that's their you know whatever Mm -hmm. um but for for us, it was all about doing it the right way and doing it our way. And then if it didn't work out, okay, tough shit. Like, that's just the way life goes sometimes. But, like, mm-hmm. there's no smoke and mirrors with us. Like, you know what we're doing. You see, we share the blends. We we share what you see us at the factory. You see us blending. You see us tobacco selection. It's never a hidden thing, you know. And, and a lot of that is just the way we wanted to relate because we were and still are to you know, cigar and tobacco nerds. We're just like everyone we hang out with at events. We're cigar nerds. We we love that part, hanging out. But realistically, we wanted to bring that passion side of it to the manufacturing side. And, you know, and, and a real part of that, to be honest with you, is Noel is, you know, he, he was a huge part of that because he was like, you got to do it. You got to live it. You know, this is, you said that you want to do this. We're going to make you do this. I remember the first time I went to Nicaragua with him, he dropped me off at the farm and left me there. Just, <laughs> see you later bud like you know and i've done everything from pulling tobacco from the fields to sorting to destemming the whole nine yards i've done it all and the reason for that is because this isn't something you can do and really do without getting your hands dirty and being there and understanding why things happen understanding the mistakes you're making understand why things aren't going the way you planned and then knowing how to fix those things you know it's a constant process yeah. Um, one of the things that, you know, because we like like we said, we talked to you on this big show two years ago and you went to your first ever PCA trade show, you know, just last month. And as time is going on and your brand is, you know, progressing, what are some of the things that you have learned within these first few years? that if you go back to when you were first starting 
and somebody were to say, Hey, when you get two and a half or three years or four years in X, Y, Z is going to be what's happening in your company. And you're And you would say to them, Oh, you're full of shit. There's no way that's going to happen. What are some of those big things that have come along that have, that have were the opposite of what you thought they would be, or that really surprised you? I, I think realistically just our success. Like, and what I mean by that is like, I, I, Jr. and I always believed in what we were doing. Like, you know, we we had long conversations before. Like, are we really going to do this? Because neither of us had a reason to spend all this money and time just for a whim, right? So it was definitely the passion that pushed us to do that. Uh, but I mean, from our, you know, we, you know, I the the story is true. Like I said, you know, from the get go when we started the company that if we sold 20,000 cigars our first year, I'd be happy. Right. Because, and that's not a lot, right. You know, and because, you know, for me, it was like, okay, that means that we're selling cigars. We're getting some reorders. We're starting to get a little stronghold. And then we sold our first 10,000 cigars in three weeks of launching. Right. And we sold over a hundred thousand cigars of just the crook in Toro and Robusto our first year. And so, and from, to go from that to now we're bringing over a hundred thousand cigars in per shipment, um, just the scale of the way that people have gotten behind the brand and, and the support that we've received across the country, across the globe, really, um, it's, it's insane. And that's one of those things that I could never picture. Like you, the new factory, the new Rojas factory, the new tobacco company, like those are things that were always in the plan. But we had to exploit them so quickly because of where we were and the demand for tobacco and what we were going to have to do to be sustainable. Because, you know, as much as there's a growing market segment for boutique cigars and and the educated consumers is craving these new and different things from us and other people, um, boutique brands really didn't have a great reputation as far as retailers were concerned. And I can't blame them. Right. And now. I'll never forget the conversation I had with Raul at Tobacco Leaf in Jessup, Maryland. He called. He said, I'm interested in carrying you guys. He said, but I'll be honest with you. I don't want to deal with boutique brands. You guys, you guys don't know what you're doing. You're fly by night. You're here today, gone tomorrow. And the worst thing that could happen to me is that my consumers like your stuff and then you're gone. And I said, well, of course I can tell you that we're different because everyone's going to tell you they're different. But you you give me a shot and we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, and so that was really the turning point and mindset of like where we had to be. We had to start changing how we operated. So people knew that we were someone you wanted to be in business with. And we were a brand that you could trust that we weren't taking this lightly. Like it was super serious. Like we were committed and we were going to do the shit we needed to do every day. And and we've done that. I mean, and now Raul is a huge account. We sell out every cigar every single time we go there. Um, so, you know, it's kind of those things and just kind of living in the moment, right? It's still super surreal yeah. for me. You know, we get that all the time. Like the show was insane. Uh, <laughs> I was scared shitless. You guys know that you saw me. <laughs> um, and, and the reason, because you don't know what to expect, you know what I'm saying? So like, you don't know that, you know, this was a big stage for us in terms of finally getting to the show. We had a massive booth, like, you know, we, and it was just, it was nuts. It was insane. What were the, um, 
what were the growing pains like? You know, because I, like you said, you go from twenty thousand cigars to a hundred thousand cigars, and then it's going to continue to increase. What? How has everything gone as far as growing pains, increasing production, and and you know, um, you know, getting the tobaccos that you need to keep things consistent, and and then obviously moving, you know, Noel, you know, put a new factory together. So how has that gone with growing pains? Well, I mean, it's it's all about being flexible. We knew like, you know, I had this great business plan, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, Oh, I'm an MBA. Like I can figure this shit out. Like <laughs> that went out the fucking door week one because we sold all our cigars. Right. And like you, the first thing you hear in business school is like a stock out is the worst possible thing that could happen. Uh, and while that is true because you can't make any money with nothing to sell. Um, the demand grew. And I think it's about being flexible. We've had a ton of growing pains, you know, and we, we kind of came into the game right around the time of the huge demand for tobacco. So, you know, I think it was like after year one, we had this huge shortage of Mexican San Andreas. And I was like, you learn really, really quickly that you have to be opportunistic. And so that will never happen again. We always keep enough tobacco on hand to make a million crooks at any given time. So, you know, you learn and you realize that you, you have to keep feeding the baby. You have to keep feeding it and letting it grow. And, and realistically, that's why we are here where we are. I mean, I was working a full-time job for the majority of the company's existence. So I was doing 160 hours a week running this full-time and working full-time, you know. Um, and it's just learning to be flexible and learning how to just put your head down and grind it out and figure yeah. shit out like stuff is always coming up shit getting lost uh, <laughs> customs taking forever like you know it's 2022 let's still poke shit with a stick i remember when we launched the the call to arms everyone was super excited to you know see the new corona the new size from us because we keep the robusto but it was the new variation was the cuban corona the 6546 and of course we lost 10 percent of that production run because Customs poked it with a fucking stick, you know, so, and it showed up on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, but you, you learn to take it on the chin and you kind of got to keep going, right? Like it's not, this is definitely isn't an industry for the faint of heart because it is a grind. It's about relationships. It's about building a reputation for being someone, someone wants to be in business with. Yeah. And that doesn't change. And I think, quickly we were lucky enough that's why we were so selective with the retailers because we built those relationships with every retailer we have to where if i say we're going to do something we're going to do it and if something yeah. goes sideways we're going to we're going to own it and um i think that's kind of been just the playbook like you got to take it as it comes you know yeah but that it does make you like <clears throat> anxiety ridden because like when things are going super smooth you're like all right who's gonna shoot me like where is it where is it gonna come from you know so that's why it does become surreal because i feel like i never have a moment to kind of sit back and like man look where we are and and phil you know our national sales director phil like he's very good at like slowing me down for a second and being like hey dude like we just fucking crushed the show take a day and just be cool with that. Yeah. You know, uh, because I am, dude, I'm just a fucking ball buster. I'm non Well, yeah, because you're, and that, that was kind of going to be my next thing is I know you're really 
getting getting to know you, I know that you're a really driven person. And yeah, the worst thing you can ever do with someone like me is tell me I can't do it. Well, and 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 at the same in that same kind of vein is, you know, sometimes in this business we've heard from so many people in that that make cigars and that that sell cigars that sometimes these seasons come along where you have to be patient because there's problems with the bands or there's problems with the packaging or there's problems with customs or there's problems. So how do you, as a really driven person where that's like in your core, you know, in your personality, uh, what do you do to keep yourself level and patient? Well, I'm not doing a very good job at it actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) like I still get antsy when we sell out of stuff, you know, I, you know, because, but the, the, the key is I am so lucky to have the people around us that we do. I mean, Jr. is like the exact opposite. Like you have to check this dude for a pulse most of the time, (laughs) but he's really good at like slowing me down and just being like, dude, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Like, and they're smart too, like between him and Phil, like, because, you know, when something happens, like when a vendor tries the last minute, like gouge us on prices, like my instantaneous is like, I'm going to burn their house down. Like, I'm just going to go there. <laughs> I'm going to pull all their family out. And I'm going to let them watch their house go up. <laughs> and they're like, JR's like, no, no, let's not do that. But let's, uh, let's just uh, talk about it, you know? And I think they use it as a tactic too. Like they're talking to these people. They're like, okay, but like your next conversation is going to be with Lee. And this isn't going to go the way the conversation you wanted to go. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm so lucky, man, and blessed to have the people that we have. You know, Josh has been with us since day one. And, you know, they're like, don't worry, dude, we'll get it. Like, we don't want to see anyone die. It's okay. Like, we'll figure it out. And, and, and really building those trust and those relationships and having those people have your back has been a really good part because I'm probably not going to live much past 40 anyway. But if oh, they weren't on. here, come but on. if they weren't Stop here, it. I definitely, I definitely wouldn't. Stop it. But no, I mean that's. But realistically, I don't think that you can be successful without that kind of gear to you, because yeah. there's so many things working against you, yeah. like you know whether it's regulation, whether it's customs, whether it's you know the grind of just selling your cigars. Like even with our popularity. Like the number one obstacle for every cigar company is going to stay the same. Like your number one obstacle is always going to be getting your product into the consumer's hands. Always. Yeah. And, you know, but I will say where we're at, we're better off than others. is just the amount of support that we receive from guys like you, from places all over the world that like just really believe in what we're doing and really push us hard with, with no real reason to. Right. Like I don't pay for advertising. I don't do any of that bullshit because I don't believe in it, you know. And so it's kind of like in spite of myself that we've cre- created this network of like support that kind of just works out. And it's it's partnerships, it's relationships. Yeah. I know Glenn Glenn's been on here commenting, breaking my balls. He's a great <laughs> dude. Like we've created a a really nice partnership. We also share the same birthday. So him and I work very well together. Uh, and it's it's kind of like that's the cool part is meeting the people and kind of developing those relationships. And like Garrett, you know, Garrett and I had a talk about his venture and I gave him as much information as I could because that's the important part, too. Like we didn't get here by ourselves. There's plenty of these people in this industry that took a, took a liking to me or Jr. 
and pass some advice out. Like, and what I always say about Noel, whatever you think about him, he was always honest about his mistakes. He always told us what not to do. Hey, this is where I messed up. Don't do this. Other people in the industry, like Pete Johnson, like, you know, him and I have become friends over COVID because of the countless Zooms. He's always watching, pulling me aside and saying, hey, be mindful of this. Don't don't do this, you know, and that's meaningful. You know, that's because uh, they don't have to do it, you know. Um, but that's what we always try to do, too. I, I think with the things that we've built and how hard we worked, if I can make it a smaller, smaller piece easier for the next guy, because there will be a next guy. There'll be a next stolen throne. And it should be. That's what you want. It's my job to send the elevator back down in any meaningful way that I can. Yeah. Garrett, jump in. So as we talk about growth and uh, boom, what do you guys do to look at, you know, sales strategy to keep growth going at a healthy level and, you know, every boutique uh, brand's nightmare is back order central, right? So that balance, sure. do you guys tackle that strategy? So we, you know, JR has an extensive amount of experience with supply chain. So I was super happy. Like that first stock out, we realized, okay, we got to get better at this. We got to change burn rates. We got to do all these things differently. So we were doing really well. And then this thing called COVID showed up. <laughs> um, so we were, we were filling all back orders within two weeks, you know, and, and so we're slowly getting back to that. Uh, we're not quite there just because the demand has gone so high, but we've also managed growth. You know, I'm a super, super loyal person. I mean, the accounts that we've had to this point, most of them took a chance on us when they didn't have to, right? And it's worked out for them just as well as worked out for us, but I feel like we owe it to them to make sure that we can keep that ball rolling. So we really slow played adding new accounts. We're really stringent on new accounts. Um, the PCA was the first time that we've opened the books in quite some time, just because the demand for our product is so high. And so I never wanted to be in the situation where I had to talk to one of these folks that have been with me for three years and say, sorry, I don't have any cigars for you. And then their response is, you asshole, I just saw you open up 20 new accounts. Right. Like, I never wanted to be in that position. That's, to me, that goes back to what I said, like, being a partner, someone wants to be in business with. And so a lot of that goes with infrastructure and planning things out and become vertically integrated. So now we do as much in-house as we possibly can. And so that allows us to have that flexibility and to control that balance of growth. And, and, and for us, it's a much about growing the accounts we already have as it is growing new accounts, you know? So, uh, because, you know, you could talk to retailers, you could talk to Omar about, the partnerships and stuff we've been able to create just by working with them. Because for us, it's not transactional. And I say that every time when I'm with a shop owner about events, I, I don't care about this order. I care that in three years, you're still buying cigars from us and that you still want to buy cigars from us, you know? And, and that's a really important mindset. You know, a lot of these guys on the boutique side, they're so hungry for success, but they don't understand what it takes. So they don't see the forest for the trees. They're worried about now, but they're not worried about the long game. And realistically, for a smaller company, I understand how dangerous it can be to forecast and look forward. But you have to, especially now, especially with 
the elasticity of the product, especially with the demands for product, especially demand for tobacco. You need to understand where you're going to be at. Are you going to be able to make your cigars? Are you going to be able to continue to offer your cigars at a meaningful price? I mean, one of the big things you'll hear from our retailers, we haven't raised prices in three years and I don't plan to do it. But a part of that is being because we bought our own tobacco, we're supplying our own tobacco, we're doing all these things to prevent that. You know, um, so a lot of it is understanding where you are and where you want to go and what it takes to get there. Well, and one of the, I mean, our, our big, you know, catchphrase, burn cigars, not bridges. When, when you hear about brands and, and I don't care if they're making and selling cigars or brewing beer and selling it or, or widgets or scarves, I don't care what it is. If you've got, if you're a newer company and you've got your, you know, those early people who were really on board with you and have been supporters of you from the, from the get go. And if all of a sudden you can't, like you said, if people, people come in and want to buy a bunch of cigars and they, and you're like, well, I'm sorry, I don't have any cigars to sell you. It's like, that, that is the quickest way to to light a match and burn a cigar or burn a bridge to the ground and just oh yeah for sure be, and it, it's it's all relationships you know how yeah. many accounts we've had where we build this relationship that person leaves goes to a different shop or starts their own shop and brings us in that's solely because of who we are and how we operate in terms of a company yeah you know i can i can tell you at least five different people that brought us into one shop left for whatever reason started a new shop or went to a new shop and brought us that we were one of their first calls to go into that new shop. And that's solely because of creating a reputation of shit's not always going to go right. But I know like when shit goes bad, Lee's going to make it better and he's going to, he's going to own it because there's going to, you know, we always tell people that's the first thing is like, Oh, well, you know, we're not crazy about people that, you know, sell out. I said, look, we're going to sell out. And when you want a product that's in demand, right. Like, I'm not going to bullshit you and tell you we're never going to be out when you call. But I will tell you, you'll have understanding of when you're going to get the product. You know, and, and that's really all we can do. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that we're very lucky to be in demand. Yeah. And our product moves through stores. And, you know, that what that means is, you know, there's going to be times where there are back orders. We try to limit those times and we do a pretty damn good job of it, but it's still going to happen. Yeah. You know, you, you, you go somewhere like the show and we offer a deal because we don't, we're lucky that we don't have to offer discounts on cigars, right? We don't have to do that, but we did a show deal because it's our first show and we wanted to thank everyone for supporting us and we sold a shit ton of cigars. So what's that mean? That means that, well, we're going to have lower inventory, but we were prepared. We have another shipment coming in a couple of weeks. So we told everyone that here's what you can expect. And yeah. every single person that's already been with us has said, cool, no problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you did, you did the work ahead of time and I'm not talking yeah. two weeks ahead of time or even two months ahead of time. I'm talking a year or more ahead of time. You did the work because you, if you get yourself behind the eight ball where, where you've got a bunch of people coming into a trade show uh, and all of a sudden there's buzz like crazy, people are buying your product and then you get back from the trade show and three weeks later you sit down with your people and you go, holy shit, what are we going to well, do? I mean, that's the biggest reason why it took us three years to go to the show. Yeah. I mean, we got, sl- we got slammed by a lot of people that I respect for not being in the show. And I understand it, but I was honest with them. I said, 
you know, I appreciate your opinion, but I don't really give a shit because the fact of the matter <laughs> is, is like, I'm the one that has to talk to these accounts telling me I have cigars. Exactly. And we were already maxed out in terms of demand. Like we were moving so many cigars through the accounts we already had. Why would I add more accounts to that? Right. Like I, I it didn't make any sense. Because all you're you going to do is start stacking up people that you're going to disappoint. Exactly. And I already do that with my wife. I don't need more people. <laughs> So, you know, and, and so for that, you know, it's all about timing. You know, what people don't understand is like production forecasts. We plan out production at the end of every year. So it's not something that we can change on a dime. Yeah. I mean, we could rob Peter to pay Paul to make things happen at a, late, a last second. It does happen. Noel jumps through hoops at the factory to make sure that we get what we need. But we try not to do that because that's not an effective way to run a company. Yeah. And so, you know, it just was time for us to go. We knew that. We had the factory, we had the tobacco coming in now. So it was time we could take on that, that extra, you know, workload. But even then, because of the sheer demand we saw at the show, we had to cut the number that I allowed those guys to sell in half because we ended up having, you know, a hundred new locations because multiple stores, like stores with 10 stores, we have to treat every store like a new account because of the way our data tells us the product moves, you know? So it's all about managing those expectations and, and, and being who you say you're going to be. Give me one well, sec. I got to let Stan dog in. No, no worries. Um, so while we're, uh, while we're waiting on this, Garrett, I have to, uh, I have to mention that a little, a few minutes ago, uh, for those who don't know, Garrett's in his, uh, his family's cabin in Northern Wisconsin. And there was, I assume it was coming from your microphone. I know it wasn't coming from ours. There was the sound of a loon that was so loud. It like drowned out all the other noise that was happening. And if you, if you guys have never been to one of the Northern states where they have loons on the water, they are, they're beautiful birds, but good Lord, they can be annoying as hell sometimes. Can I just add that even though Garrett is at the cabin, he was still at the Stolen Throne event at Omar's in uh, Ramsey. I just wanted to point that out. Oh, oh. I felt like the people needed to know. Oh. I think they do need to know that. Hey, Justin, um, can you reach? There's a knife right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could you pull that out there for me? Oh. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> Another cool thing about loons is uh, it's they're an amazingly beautiful bird. But have you ever seen a loon like land? Uh, nah, I honestly, I don't think that. I have, have ever seen a loon land. It is a train wreck. <laughs> it is the most unmajestic thing you will see for a beautiful bird. It, it's a crash landing on water, and it's hilarious. It's awesome. Come in hot. Yeah, yeah, they do. They come in hot, and they just a lot of times like tumble over. Like it's it's hilarious. <laughs> They're always drunk. Yes. Always, it's like, go, oh. to, go to bed, Loon. You're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the one of the things that I have to ask you, Lee, is because we, we go back to the first time we met you and talked to you on the show. We learned oh. about the origin of the name Stolen Throne. And yeah. and I'll I'll just for our viewers, I'll I'll give the quick cliff notes version and correct me if I say anything wrong here. Basically, in a nutshell, you were with some some not to be named big time cigar people, 
and expressing the fact that you were in, had an interest in starting your own cigar brands and you were essentially told that there were no more seats available at the table for you. And you said, well, fuck it. I'm just going to steal my own seat. And that's where the name Stolen Throne came from. Is, is that essentially correct? That is factually correct. So in the years since the company has started, have you had any either uh, intentional or unintentional circumstances where you came in contact with that person and... <laughs> They're, well, they're out of they're out of business now, so I win. They lose. Okay, there you go, there you go. That, okay. That, yeah, they're that, they're no longer in business. Wow. All right. That's uh, the I would say I would call that I would call that beyond a win. I would call that uh, like that that's that smells like victory. <laughs> that's full Matt Damon mode. <laughs> do you... how do you like them apples yeah <laughs> so you haven't seen this person since nah he definitely and doesn't want to see me I can you don't, you and, about and you don't need to you don't need to nah yeah nah <laughs> I like that that is, that is like the most poetic justice because there are so many there are so many great people like you already said in this industry who want to share their knowledge, who want to give encouragement and say, here's where I made mistakes. Here's where I learned what not to do things like that. And at the same time, as many fantastic people as there are in the cigar business, there are one or two small handful of people who you just wouldn't want to sticks. Yeah. Huge you, dicks. you wouldn't want to be in business with them. You wouldn't want to consider them friends. And, nah. and, you know, knowing that you were you were essentially told by somebody to to stay out of this business. There's yeah. no room for you here. Stay out of this business. There's nobody wants you here. There's plenty of cigar brands already. Just go back to whatever you were doing before and leave. The grown-ups will handle this. And you were like, uh, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And that actually fueled your fueled your uh, desire to. To push oh, harder. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I have a huge, huge amount of pluckiness. Um, <laughs> and stuff like that will fire me up really quickly. If I didn't want it then, I definitely wanted it after that, for sure. And yeah, I think that's a good thing, you know. And and realistically, you know, like you said, there I can count on one hand, like the the less than pleasant people. Um, right. Even some of them, even though that some of them really, really suck. Like they really, 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 really suck. Um, but you know, I, what I say about that too, and Garrett and I talked about this a little bit in, in Minnesota. Um, what I love so much about it now is that the consumer is so attentive. Um, and not to say that, you know, previous consumers weren't smart or, you know, didn't care or, or weren't involved as much but now with social media and you know the way that we make ourselves available with zooms and whatnot like it's become even more so so the consumer's doing the job they're they're they are the litmus test and they're sniffing out bullshit at a high rate right so like there's been people that have ripped us off and copied what we're doing and the consumer jumps all over it i don't have to say anything i might be felony mad when i find out about it but realistically <laughs> i don't have to do anything you know and that's happened like and 
that's that's meaningful to to me because you know it means that there was a place for us that the, there was a, a need for us in the market and we're filling that and i think that the, i think everyone can do that knowing who you are and knowing what you're about and what you're trying to represent i think that's the biggest thing <laughs> it's rich dude. no it's not <laughs> no, maybe no. no no it's not <laughs> no <laughs> no we'll, we we talk about names after the show when we're off the air that's when we talk about names we don't talk uh, about names on the show leave that yeah and i want to i and the thing about me you guys know me well enough i won't say anything that i won't say these assholes in space either so right yeah yeah, yeah. we can we can figure it out if there's a problem that's not a you know what does 50 cents say i don't want to have problems but if you want a problem no problem yeah Lee, that conversation we had in Minnesota, was that at Omar's event? It was. Oh, yeah. I heard about that it, event. I think I was there. It was. Yeah. You, you're right. There's somebody missing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you suck again. Man. <sighs> if, if you guys knew the shit that I had to go through <laughs> to not be at that event, you would be, you would feel fucking sorry for me, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. I wouldn't. I'm going to stop <laughs> feeling wouldn't. sorry for myself right now. <laughs> So um, one of the things I'm curious about, we uh, we know there's a lot of movement uh, from a lot of brands, big and small, uh, in uh, markets outside of the U.S. So have you explored markets in Europe and Asia? Yeah, no. I mean, we're already in a, like five countries. Uh, we are expanding to the greater Europe with a full distribution this year in the Middle East. We've had we've identified some great partners that have been super super patient. They understand the constraints that we're under in terms of demand. Um, but I'm actually heading to Europe uh, next month um, to to kind of finalize some of those deals. And uh, yeah, we will be in the Middle East and Europe full distribution through like Germany, Belgium, Switzerland, and all those by the end of the year. Nice. Yeah. And. Uh have to have to ask because we ask everybody um what's the can you give us any sneak peeks at some some new hotness that may be coming down the road one of these days in the near future well uh, everyone's always wants the new thing i just put out a new cigar in november you did you (laughs) did (laughs) no uh no i'm always working uh but like i said you know the cigar tells us when it's ready we don't we don't make that dictate we don't dictate that the cigar dictates that um we are you know getting some stuff that's kind of been pushed back because of covid off the table obviously you guys saw the phantom queen while you were in minnesota i'm not Minnesota. sorry no i i actually didn't i didn't see the phantom queen but please proceed yeah you didn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've just busted your Uh, (laughs) no so we have the phantom queen coming that'll be our first box that'll be our limited edition 10 count box we have another limited edition that's coming after that, which will be our uh, vertical line. Um, so that'll be pretty cool. That'll be the stone, uh, the th- throne room reserve. I was trying to get that out this year. It's probably going to be early next year that that's going to come. Um, like Bill just posted there, we are flirting with a national release of Argos, trying to figure out how that's going to work. Um we'll see i'd really like to do that on a bigger scale just because you know for those that don't know argos is a as a an shop exclusive we do with winston's here in virginia that uh a dollar from every cigar sold goes to the Connie corso rescue 
my wife and I rescue dogs and that's near and dear to my heart. So we, we do want to ramp that up because it's such a popular, such a cool cigar and it does some good. Um, so those are some kind of things. We have some things in the works. There might be another regular production cigar next year. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see what the tobacco says about yeah. that. Uh, but we're always working. I always got blends in the hopper. If you've been to an event recently because we haven't had the Remy's, you've smoked some of the stuff that's coming down the pike. We've given it stuff out of my personal stash. Um, we are bringing the Remy back. We're also doing a Maduro version, which will be the Brooks for my son. Um, they're going to be repackaged as the heirs to the throne. So it'll be a little bit new packaging and kind of set up for events only. Um, but yeah, man, we're always working. We got a bunch of shit to get out to the folks when, when time is right. Yeah. I like what you said. Well, uh, the, the tobacco will tell us. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Garrett, do you, before we move on, do you have anything else? No, so I ran it, through my gamut. Is it time? Yeah, I think it's time. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. Numero de los Muertos, episode 168. Garrett, what do you have for us this week? All right. I've got 200 people on average a year in the United States die from this. Um, missing a Stone Thrones, Stolen Thrones event? Is that what Ooh. it is? That, is that? I, you guys, I... <sighs> That's one. I think it was just one of those. I didn't. I didn't die from missing the Stolen Thrones event. I was really sad missing the Stolen. You just, you just wish you died now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, as always, viewers, if you guys have guesses, put them in the comments, and we're gonna play twenty questions along with each other and and try to guess what. So, Garrett, two hundred people a year in the U.S. Mm-hmm. die from this. It is not erectile dysfunction pills. Um, or enlargement pills what about 7-Eleven sex pills oh yeah I'll uh, I'll I'll look into that one (laughs) I bet you will (laughs) Uh, Uh, it's not it's not ticks it's not is it is it loon attacks (laughs) (laughs) it is not um, is it rabid possums? Probably not. Uh, is it okay. any type of uh disease? No, not podcasts either. <laughs> Podcast. 
Is it a workplace accident? No. Hmm. Are vehicles so, involved? Vehicles are involved. Is it locking yourself in the trunk? Ooh. Hmm. No. Um, Doug's in the trunk. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> wild animals are involved. Vehicles and wild animals are involved? Mm-hmm. Being trapped in a car with a raccoon. <laughs> How about strippers with the wild animals and the vehicles? Yeah, no. stri- no. are strippers wild animals? Okay. I, don't, I mean, they, they can depending be. what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, Rich, is hitting, it hitting a deer? Hitting a moose is a good one. Um. Well, I I gotta give it to Quentin. Oh. So it is, it is either hitting or attempting to avoid a wild animal on the highway. Really? So, so some of these, some of these are from people like swerving, swerving to around something. shippers in the middle of the road, <laughs> swerving around strippers. <laughs> this is where yeah. we got to get the graphic. The more, you know, the shooting star, <laughs> you know, don't. Yeah. I always like, you know, you ever seen the accident where it's like in the middle of the highway and some asshole slows down slow enough just to say, hey, dude, can't park there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I want to be that guy one of these days where I'm driving, where it's the perfect situation and I'm driving by and I just roll my window down and say, hey, you can't park there and then drive off. Yep. But then I would be so. You just made the- yeah, you would, man. You're if like, I was on the other just, side of it, oh, makes your day that much worse. Oh, yeah, that I would, I would be so pissed if I was on the other side of it. So I wouldn't want to like make somebody's day worse than you know a day I would want to have. No, I definitely would. That's you got to shoot your shot, man. You got to someone shoot you the ball. Someone pass you the ball with a wide open shot. You got to take that, man. You can't. Yeah. Look the, you can't. Can't look. Can't lift somebody, a gift horse in the mouth, man. You gotta, yeah, somebody you gotta pitches you a softball, you got to swing. That's true. That's true. That's right. But some some of those, I I, I don't know whoever's seen those on on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. When you know, you're scrolling through and you see somebody who's like their car is like tilted up at a sixty degree angle on an embankment, and they're like, "Hey, you can't park there." Fuck you! It's, it's <laughs> hilarious. They, it's just. <laughs> It's cool. And every single time the guy has the same look on his face, like <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> every single time. Like just my, pure defeat. My favorite are up in Minnesota when somebody's somebody drives their truck on the ice when it's too when the ice isn't thick enough <laughs> and their truck goes through the ice. And it uh there was there one of the one of them was actually the Minnesota DNR was going by on snowmobiles. And there was a tr- there was a white Ram truck that was like halfway under the ice, with guys standing outside of it with their going like holy shit. <laughs> the DNR officer, the stance, of, hey, the you stance can't- of defeat, yeah. the stance <laughs> of defeat. You know, but say, I, hey man, you can't park there. <laughs> but there's no one saying that in Minnesota. So I, I I tell this story all the time. It takes me about six hours to acclimate to being in Minnesota because everyone's so damn nice. 
and when you're from the east coast you're like you're just you're waiting for everyone to be a dick <laughs> and so like you know josh and i get to minnesota we land in minneapolis and like there's a lady this lady is in the middle of looking for her family like she has lost part of her family stops what she's doing to ask us how we're doing are we there on vacation did we just come back from vacation she just came back from vacation and then goes back to fucking doing what she's doing <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a real thing minnesota nice is a real thing yeah it is uh, josh will tell you like so we had a hell of a time coming back we were like a day late getting home because uh travel right now is about as cool as forest fires um <laughs> but like this tsa agent and i are in like a we're in the bathroom i'm we both finish up and we go to leave and like, I'm letting him go first. He wants to let me go first. He just looks me dead in the face and goes, I'm more Minnesota than you go first, please. <laughs> I said, all right then son, I'll go first. That's awesome. I like that. That's well put. Uh, so that was this week's numero de los muertos. All right. Uh, let's jump into this is new for Lee because the first time Lee was on the show, we weren't doing the lightning round yet. So let's jump into the lightning round sponsored by our friends at JC Newman Cigar Company. They are America's oldest family owned premium cigar maker, creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown and The American. JC Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112 year old El Relo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City tampa florida for more information on their cigars or their visitor experience please visit jcnewman.com all right so lee first time we had you on the show we were not doing these questions yet and the list has grown but um uh, we want to we want to get some non-cigar related info out of you all right if you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes who would it be and why? Definitely Keith Richards. Because the first oh, thing is going to be like, how am I still alive and all these fuckers are dying? <laughs> yes. Has to be. I just yeah. want to hear him say it in his British accent. Yeah. If, if, if you were to go back like 10 years, 15 years, and say, Betty White will die before Keith Richards, <laughs> we all would have said you're full of shit. There's no way that's I mean, gonna the list. The list, I mean, Keith Richards, Prince, like all yeah. these people. Yeah, Prince, Keith Richards, Tom Petty, uh, yeah. Olivia Newton-John, you know, Paul Servino, all these people who have died recently. And, and it's like, oh, no, Keith Richards, he's still ticking, still going. Yeah. I think he's a robot. Alien. I think all the drugs just like solidified him from the inside out. <laughs> yeah. Like he's yeah. fucking impervious. He can't get COVID. <laughs> he can't get monkeypox. He's fucking. No, he didn't die. That's no, what he saying. didn't die, Quentin. He didn't die. That's the Pay point. Pay attention, Quentin. Pay <laughs> attention. <laughs> All right. If you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be? Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> nice. Oh, mic drop. That's a mic drop. I thought about that a lot because I'm built for confrontation. So I understand. <laughs> because that that is that song has always been on my list 
for that question. And I think you're maybe only one of three people who've given that answer on this show. And that, that is. Yeah, it would definitely be that or anything DMX just makes you angry. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, So I'm going to jump down here a little bit to, okay. Let's say you, I'm going to, I'm going to give Garrett this one after I ask this next one. So let's say you could have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life. You cannot say money, you can't say time, and you can't say cigars, but you can have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life. What's it going to be? That's a good one. Fucking Q. (laughs) Probably uh, bourbon. You didn't say I couldn't say bourbon. (laughs) I'll say cheers to that with uh, some Four Roses small batch right now. All All right, right, Lee. So, yes, Garrett, bring the pain. The zombie apocalypse is coming. You get to pick three cigar industry people to be your your four-man or woman team. Who do you pick? It's a good one. Quentin, he's not going to pick you. <laughs> yeah, I only got a couple. I love, I love you, Quentin, but he's not going to pick you. I pick Quentin just because. Wow. Uh, I would probably, I would probably pick uh, Quentin uh, Dion because he's so deep into conspiracies. He's probably thought everything out, so he would be like, you know, the map, you know, the map maker of how we get out of this thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so good. Jack Tarano, because like I need to laugh. Yes, so he would be pretty good. And I would probably pick uh, the other one would be Brandon Marsh, my not cousin cousin from Big Sky, because we could fuck shit up. He's a big dude like me. We could just do stuff. I like it. Very cool. So Quentin, a lot of pressure. You got to fucking bring the yeah. heat, man. You so gotta, you, you got to Quentin. You finally got picked to be on somebody's team. So you, so now you know you got to produce. You got that's all I'm saying. You got to produce. Don't let me down. Don't <laughs> let me down. Well, let's jump into this week's notable smokable. Brought to you by our friends at Ace Prime Cigars. Notable cigars. Notable passion. Notable purpose. So each week on the show, we name a cigar that we have smoked recently that was notable to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we just revisited for the first time in a long time. Or it could be a cigar that's brand new to the market that we smoke for the first time ever. Uh, Obviously, Lee, you're smoking mostly your own stuff. But every once in a while, I'm sure you get a chance to jump outside of your own brand. So what's something you smoked recently that was notable to you? Uh, I like the La Pastier. Mm. Background hits. That was a good. That cigar. was my pregame cigar tonight, when we were b- before we went on the air. Yeah, that new like that short, short robusto size from them. No, I like the original. The original, I love. I love the original, but that that short robusto, I was I was very very happy with too. All right. Uh, Garrett, notable. 
Um, sitting in Michael Herkelot's little uh, man cave, smoking a 2022 Elegancia, was uh, a pretty great cigar and experience. You're just staring yeah. at Michael Herklotz the whole time because yeah. he's dreaming. I mean, oh, is that what you're doing? Yeah, touching myself. He's just a beautiful yeah. man. I mean, you just sit and smoke your cigar and and just look at him. And uh, honestly, yeah. the rest is the rest is gravy. It was. Nice. I came out wrong. <laughs> there, no, there was a lot of gravy. There was a lot. Of no, it didn't. It didn't come out wrong. You spoke your truth. You spoke yeah. your truth. <laughs> Uh, Justin, what was it notable for you this week? Um, yesterday, finishing up uh, posting all the PCA coverage on Instagram, Facebook, and all that. Finally got it done uh, while enjoying a Rodriguez uh, Reserva Pravada. Very nice. So, good Very one. nice. Um, mine was, uh, I hadn't had one in a while, uh, the Superfly Connecticut from uh, Oscar Valladares. Um, just to, I, I love the original Superfly. And he also, you know, uh, came out with a great Connecticut version. And again, that, uh, that Corona size is just, it's just lights out. I just love it. It's, it's got tons of flavor. Uh, not, even... not, not one of you dicks at a stolen drone cigar. Jesus Christ. Well, we, we, we... <laughs> lie to me. You can fucking lie. You can lie. Yeah. Well, I, I did I did really enjoy the the Stolen Throne cigars that I had when I was at the Stolen Throne event in Minnesota. Oh wait, shit. I wasn't <laughs> too soon. Too yeah, soon. Read the room, oh, Matt. Man. Read the damn room. I was uh I was in Wisconsin Matt. experiencing all of the car troubles. <laughs> all of the car How'd troubles. How that feel? You know what oh, it was it was Karma. horrible. That's and it's still it's it's still happening. The karma is still like fisting me wait can i say that on the on the podcast i am well, did, so. yeah i just did so i guess i guess i can say that <laughs> uh all right let's uh let's talk about the coming attractions that we have on how about that cigar live so next week we have um uh pete johnson from Tatuaje coming on the show and uh, coming attractions on how about that cigar are brought to us by our friends at AJ Fernandez cigars. They now produce unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The AJ Fernandez portfolio of cigars provides a blend strength and flavor profile to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer, whether it's new world, Dias de Gloria, San Latano enclave or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from AJ Fernandez. Uh, so, yeah, reminder, next week on the 15th, we have Pete Johnson from Tatuaje. And then the following week on the 22nd, we have Enrique Cejas from Matilda Cigars. Nice. And he's just like one of the coolest dudes. We've enjoyed getting to know him just, just like so many people in this. Dad's a legend. Yeah, he's just a super cool guy. So uh, that'll be his first visit to How About That Cigar Live. That poor uh, bastard. I know. I know. He has he has no idea what he's in for. And if he ever comes to an event and does an event at a cigar shop in Minnesota, you know, I I, I probably shouldn't go. I would, <laughs> that's probably safe for you. That's probably the safe for you. It all de it all depends on if 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 one of my cars decides to actually like explode that weekend. It just that that's what it really depends on. 
It's probably best that you just don't show up to for another event there for another year. You know? Until the next Stolen Thrones event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next, the next Stolen Throne event. Next time you're in Minnesota, I'll be like, oh shit, I'm supposed to be in like uh, L- Lake Havasu or some far off place with with people other than I don't know. I'm the the Four Roses is really starting to kick in if you haven't noticed. Nice. Nice. You got that. <laughs> you got that. <laughs> All right, Lee. If you would please give our viewers and listeners uh, the best idea where they can find everything going on with Stolen Throne Cigars. Yeah, man. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We, you know, shoot us a message. We'll happily put you in touch with one of our great retailers. But we share everything. Everything that's going on. Every place we'll be. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Nice. Well, Lee, thank you so much for being a return guest on How About That Cigar Live. We hope to have you again as a return Uh, guest. That's probably not going to (laughs) happen. And possibly, possibly even a return guest live when you're in Minnesota. Maybe I'll actually be in Minnesota at the same time that you're in Minnesota. Matt, let's just not say things we don't mean, okay? (laughs) You know. It's all fun and good for the show, but uh, <laughs> let's not do this, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know, uh, Skip, you're right. It's sponsored by Four Roses. We're all going to do a GoFundMe to send old Matt there to the Betty Ford Clinic. And, uh, when he gets off here. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, Lee, thank you, man, so much for being on episode 168. We uh, we love you, brother, and thank you so much for being on the show again. Thank you guys for having me, man. Take it easy. All right, viewers and listeners, thank you so much for being the best part of How About That Cigar Live. If you were watching live on Facebook and YouTube, if you would, please take just a second, subscribe to the YouTube channel and like us on Facebook so you don't miss anything we have coming up. Make sure to subscribe to the audio podcast channel of your choice. We're on all the big audio podcast providers. Uh, If you guys have questions for us, please email us on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. And of course... As always, until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Not bridges. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs>